Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Matt Dietz, and I am the high school director here at Canyon Hills Friends Church, and I am very honored to be with you all again this morning. And even more than that, I'm excited that you're all here this morning. We're going to be continuing in our campaign series called Beyond Ourselves, and truly looking at what it means to go beyond ourselves. And Pastor Larry has been talking about this for the last two weeks and sharing the vision of exactly where as a church body we want to go through the community center and the church plant and this cash flow fund. But even taking it a step further, really looking at what it means to us as individuals to go beyond ourselves. As I was sitting down kind of just going over this lesson and preparing to teach it, and I started thinking, okay, well, Matt, well, what does this look like to you? How can I go beyond myself? And at first I started thinking, okay, this sounds kind of greedy. Like, okay, well, what am I going to do to go beyond myself? Like I'm going to flaunt it in front of everybody else. But the more and more I started praying about it, the more and more I became convicted about it. And I started to say, okay, it's not just about me. Going beyond ourselves is literally going beyond myself. Branching out from my everything that I am. Branching out from everything that I think about and looking at what God's vision for this community is all about. And I took it a step further saying, okay, well, I'm the high school director. So how can I benefit from this Beyond Ourselves campaign? What will this look like for the youth group? Well, in the pictures that Pastor Larry's been showing as on the handouts that you guys have as well, I was looking at this and I was going through and saying, well, this is great with the bird eye view and the activity court where we can do basketball and volleyball and soccer and hockey or pickleball or badminton or whatever it may be. We have all of these beautiful opportunities to utilize this sports field. And as a high school director, I'm saying, well, this is great because the majority of the students that live in this surrounding area are really affected by sports. We live in a sports-driven community, whether it be soccer or baseball or basketball, whatever it may be, everybody is involved in sports, whether they have a child who plays, they play themselves, or even if they coach a sport. And so with this opportunity for this activity court, this sports park to be available, we can bring in students from the community who may not have a place where they feel it's safe to play, a place where they can develop teams and we can do midweek activities or we could do weekend games or tournaments or just open it up as a beacon of a Christ-centered, safe environment for people to come and feel welcomed, for people to come and feel like they have a place where they can go and just relax. Looking beyond that in the sports aspect of it, what about events? What can I do with events in this place? Well, it's going to be a leveled flat surface. So maybe we can set up a stage and take the worship teams out there, bring in worship bands and hold concerts outside. Concerts with blurring music that all of the community can hear it. Even you who live way away from there. I'm sorry in advance. So... We can do all these different kinds of events or we can partner with other churches and have them come together as one unified body of Christ praising the name of the Lord. Or we could take it a step further with this area in which we'll have this eating area, this fellowship time where you've got the playground view and you've got the activity court. And we'll even use the playground because it doesn't matter if you're two or if you're 60, everybody loves to swing, right? There's no age limit on swings. But looking at this part where we can actually come. We can host like coffee shops or we can do evangelical outreaches, or we can just create this atmosphere that breaks down the stereotype of walls in a confined space, where we can open it up to making people once again, feel safe, where they can come and they can express their opinions without judgment, where they can come and just feel welcomed by a true Christ believing body of followers. 
That's what my goal is when I look at this. And taking it another step further, what about our church plant? Well, we can take the youth out and do missions trip to partner with the hoppers over in Clovis in California. We can assist with them in building up and connecting to that body of believers as well, truly unifying both churches. And I got so excited about this and I was writing it down on pieces of paper. It was like 18 pages of chicken scratch that I can't read anymore. And I'm horrified about that. But as I just started writing all of these things, I started looking at them and trying to decipher what it was. And it hit me that something was off about what I was doing. You see, I was looking at this and saying, hey, you know what? I've got all of these great ideas of things that we can do with this. And this is what we're going to do. And, you know, we're going to plan all these events and I'm going to start prepping for them. But I failed to say, God, what do you want to do with this place? God, we have our ideas, we have our vision, we have our direction of where we wanna go, but are we truly seeking after you? Are we going beyond ourselves, our wants and our needs to see what you are developing this place to become? See, because when you truly give it over to God, God will do amazing and God will do extraordinary things through these kind of situations. As Pastor Larry said last week, it's our vision that help us accomplish our mission. What's our mission? We just spent a series going over it where we're building community, we're pursuing Christ, we're unleashing compassion, and we're equipping Christ followers. All of these things are a mission. Well, how do we effectively pursue this mission? By following through with this vision, by creating this community place that can truly affect not just us as the church, our surrounding community and our society, but the world as a whole by creating this place that's gonna be available for people to come and experience God, whether they realize it or not. And it's this awesome opportunity when we think about it. And so as I was thinking, I was praying about it and just really asking God to speak to my heart about what he wants to do with that in regards to the youth group. I started praying over it more and more and more. And I realized that even though planning events is great, hosting this beautiful atmosphere of the venue is a plus to it all, It's really about letting go of my ideas and my vision and letting God speak to what he wants to do. Letting God take control of the scene. And I think it's so important for us to realize that when we give it to God, God takes it and God then builds upon it. He makes it into something we never thought possible. And then he gives it back to us to re-implement his vision and his plan with. And it's so powerful when we think about that because God is taking control of the scene and he's giving it back to us to work with. And this is what the biblical principle of stewardship is. Now, I think stewardship is probably one of the most misinterpreted and misunderstood words inside of the English language. If I were to ask most of you in the congregation what stewardship means to you, I'd hear things like finances or money or giving or tithing. While that may be a part of it, stewardship by definition isn't this financial plan. Looking at Webster's dictionary, Webster defines stewardship as the responsibility of managing some assets or affairs or property of someone else's. In other words, stewardship is managing something that you don't own. Stewardship is management. And that's the key word we get from Webster's definition here. It's this idea of managing something that doesn't belong to you. And so when we're taking this in the context and figuring out what does this have to do with the Bible? Well, stewardship is the second most important theme that we see in scripture. Jesus talks more about stewardship than he does about heaven or hell or prayer or a lot of the other themes that we think are prevalent within the Bible. He focuses primarily on this concept of stewardship and managing the things that he has given to us. And it's important to Jesus that his people who are created in his image are good stewards and good managers of the things that he has placed upon this earth. 
He wants us to use them. He wants us to be managers of them. So further developing this idea and understanding what stewardship means, I started thinking, well, where in scripture do we get this idea that we're supposed to be good managers? Where does God specifically say that I'm supposed to take care and manage this earth? Well, I went all the way back to the beginning, Genesis chapter one, because Genesis chapter one starts off with this very same thing. And this is God's plan for man. Genesis chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning. And this is the first principle we get of stewardship that God made it all. God made it all. Out of nothing at all, he made it all. And therefore, God owns it all. See, God made every plant. He made every rock, every tree, every bird, every cloud, every bee, every person. He made each and every one of us and he owns all of it. But even more than just owning all of it, God sustains all of it. Looking a little bit further in the New Testament, in Colossians chapter one, verses 16 through 17, it says, for by him, all things were created things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Such a powerful scripture to realize that through God, all things hold together. See, God made it all. God owns it all and God holds it all together. A group of scientists got together and they started thinking and saying, you know what? We don't need God anymore. So they jokingly mock with God and say, God, we don't need you. We've learned how to successfully clone humans now. We've learned how to reproduce. We've learned how to create out of nothing this idea of organs and body parts to replace the decaying parts that you have made. And so God listening intently and patiently looks down and he says, okay, well, let's have a good old fashioned man creating competition like in the days of Adam. Scientists got all excited. It's like, oh, you're on God. All right, ready? Let's go. And the scientist reaches down and grabs a handful of dirt and God says, uh-uh, get your own dirt. See, God owns it all. God made it all. And we need to understand this principle that everything is God's. But just because God owns it all and he made it all doesn't mean that it's being used the way that he intended it to be. It's not being utilized the true way in which he has created it to be. We can do all kinds of things through life in this idea. But what the question becomes now is what does God want us to do with the things that he has made and that he has owned? See, God has given us all these resources, all of these possessions upon the earth. And we seem like, oh, that's great. Let's do this and this and this. But we fail to say, God, what do you want us to do with it? God, speak to us and guide us and show us your vision through this. And it's so important that we do this step to truly see what God wants us to do. Looking back into scripture, see when God created the world, he started with the sun and the moons and the heavens and the space and all of this, right? And he creates the earth and he creates the land masses and the seas and the mountains and the trees. And then he goes further and he says, I'm going to create inhabitants upon this earth. I'm going to put animals to roam the ground and fish to fill the seas and birds to fill the sky. But as he's creating all of these things, he's still saying there's still something that's missing. This idea, this picture perfect world, something is incomplete. Something is off. What is it? So he creates man. And he puts man on earth. And when he does it, he says, oh, and it's good. I've created man and man is good. But what makes man different from all of God's other creations? 
Well, you see, when man was created, God gave man specific instructions on his job description, exactly what man was created to do. In Genesis chapter one, verse 28, it says, God blessed them and he said to them, the man and the woman, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every living creature that moves along the ground. Jumping ahead a little bit to Genesis chapter two, verse 15 says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and to take care of it. Now I'm sure God's definition of work is a lot different than our definition of work is today. We define work as this eight to four or nine to five backbreaking labor where we go and we work and we work to gain money to build a life for ourselves. But when we truly look at it, he says, I want you to work and to take care of the garden. That's what we were meant to do. God's basically saying, I have made man different from all the animals because of his job description, not only being made in my own image, but because I want him to manage the things in which I have placed upon this earth. And so when we look at it, God says that there are five things in which he has designed us to do, our five job descriptions, if you will. First thing he says, I want you to fill the earth. He says, be fruitful and multiply. I created this huge, massive spanse of land, this whole entire earth that I want you to be able to enjoy and take pleasure in. So go and fill the earth. But don't just fill the earth. The second thing he says, I want you to subdue the earth. Well, that's a weird one. Subdue the earth? What does it mean to subdue the earth? Or it's to have influence or to have power over. He says, I want you to be able to have an opinion, to be able to influence the earth and all the things that I have created. Why do we do this? Because the third thing he says, I want you to rule the earth, to have authority over. I created it for you. So enjoy it, have authority over it, take care of it as your, was your own, just as I have commanded you to do. But not only do we rule the earth, we also work the earth. And what does that look like? Well, it's that last point, it's taking care of the earth. God says, I have created the earth to self-sustain. The birds are reproducing, the animals are reproducing. Everything on earth is built to continue life going. I want you to take care of it. I want you to manage it. Of all the things that I have placed on this earth, I have given you the opportunity, you the awesome responsibility of managing that in which I have created. And that brings us to our second principle of stewardship. And it's, I said, this idea of we get to manage all that God has made. We get to manage, and this is such a glorious thing that God has allowed us to do, that God has given us the honor of doing, managing all that he has made. You see, this is the reason for creation of man given in scripture. We are made to manage the resources that God has placed here upon this earth. God's very first command to man was to be a steward or to be a manager of the things in which he has created upon the earth. Now, our basic problem as mankind is we forget who the maker is and who the manager is. Sometimes we start to go out and we manage and we start to look at all the things that God has made thinking that it's our own. And we start to take ownership of it while we're just supposed to be managing it. See, we start to trade places with God acting like the makers of all this. And we use words like I and me and mine. It's my life. It's my time. It's my health. It's my family. It's my TV. It's my car. It's my house. It's my cat video. Whatever it may be, we take ownership of all of these things. And we start to push God further and further away, removing him as the actual maker and creator of all of this upon the earth. But who gave it all to you? God did. 
God created every bit of it. He made the earth. He made you. He's the owner of it all. And we get to use all that he has made. But even more than just using it, he says, I want you to enjoy all that I have made. As an adventure guide, one of my favorite things to do is to take people out in the wilderness. So we go hiking or backpacking or camping or climbing, whatever it may be. And as we go out, the number one thing I always see people do on a hiking trail is this. They're always looking at their feet. Why? Because they're so focused about not tripping or not stumbling or not falling that they fail to look up and look out. And it's heartbreaking for me. And this is something I always try to tell them is when you're walking, yeah, you know what? There are rocks, there are obstacles, there are all these things. But if you truly are just taking it easy, taking it slow and enjoying the things which God has created you, he will get you safely through. And I think this applies so much to life because we spend so much of our lives looking down at the ground saying, this is my life. This is my path. This is my journey. And I'm gonna go the way that I want it to go but we fail to look up and God's saying, hey, stop for a moment here. I wanna show you something. Stop for a moment here and I want you to experience something that you would have never seen or felt or experienced if your head was always down worrying about yourself. One of my favorite things to do is just to go into nature and just listen, to be silent and listen to the wind blowing through the trees or the babbling brook that runs through the forest. Because it's in those times I'm able to truly look out and say, this is God's creation. And even more than that, God has created me to enjoy this. And it's so easy to lose sight of this because we live in a very urbanized area where we have skyscrapers and apartment complexes and noisy trains and all these things that surround us each and every day that we fail to truly look out and say, God, look what you have done. Look at the amazing things in which you have created in this world and how often we take them for granted. Or we say, oh, this is great. I've, I've got power. I've got electricity. I've got all this stuff. But we never once say, God, thank you for all that you have put in place here. Thank you for this wonderful atmosphere, this beautiful, amazing scenery that you have created for me to enjoy. And that's what God wants us to do is to enjoy all that he has made. But we must never forget that God's the one who made it all. God made everything. Genesis 1.28 again, he says, I want you to rule over everything. See, mankind was created to rule over all things, but something else happened. And the truth of it is, is that things begin to rule over us. Our possessions become the things that possess us, where we say, oh, I can't go to church because the next season of Bachelorette's coming on or I can't go to a private study, a C group or a youth group because the football game may be on TV, or I'm on level 64 of 65 levels in the new Halo game. Whatever it may be, we start to put things in front of God because we don't want to deal with that situation where the things that we own that he has given us start to take the place of God or say, God, I don't need you, I've got video games. God, I don't need to experience you. I can go and I can read about you in some daily devotional that just gets sent to my email. But I never once need to come and experience you personally. And it's just interesting for me when we think about how many things really take control and take ownership over our lives. God has told us that it's foolish to make our number one goal in life the acquisition of things. He says, that's great that you're owning things, but guess what? I'm just letting you loan them for a period in time. You may be here 60 or 70 or 80, maybe 90, maybe 100 years, but at some point you're gonna move on and I'm gonna loan those things to somebody else. But in the meantime, I want you to use them. I want you to enjoy them. I want you to manage them. I want you to make the most of all of these things. 
In essence, what God is saying here is make the most of what I have given you. Make the most of what I have given you. Make the most of your life. Make the most of your time. Make the most of your health, the most of your wealth, the most of your cars, the most of your house, the most of your family, the most of your talents, your spiritual gifts, everything that God has blessed you with. He says, I want you to make the most of it because you're the manager of it and I have given it to you and use it and enjoy it. Use it to the fullest. But what's in it for us? Sounds like a big responsibility to have to use and manage all the things that God has placed upon this earth. When I was starting to read about it, two things came to mind as benefits of being good managers. The first benefit of being a good manager is that there are immediate benefits to it. Immediate benefits. So what I mean is that your happiness is in proportion to exactly the things that God gives you upon this earth and how faithful you are to use them. What I mean by this is the better manager or steward you are, the happier that you will be or the more joy that you will experience for doing what God has called you to do. Now you might be thinking, well, how does this work? Well, picture this for a moment. If God has given you a talent and you don't use it or God has given you some special ability and you don't make the most of it, you're gonna feel unfulfilled in life. You're gonna feel like there's this void. There's something that's just missing or something that's empty in your life that you don't know how to fill. And so you're not gonna attain that happiness because you're always grasping at something that you can't find. But when God says, hey, I've given you this talent, I've given you this gift, I want you to develop it, I want you to manage it and own it and enjoy it, we become happy. We become joyful in the things that he has given to us. And we're experiencing all of these things. And the truth of the matter is this, every time that we mismanage what God has entrusted to us, negative things start to happen. Bad things start to happen. It produces negative results. But on the opposite side, when we're good managers, God gives us things to manage over. And at the same time that we're managing those things, we get to enjoy them. We get to use them. God takes tremendous pleasure watching his creation enjoy the things in which he has created. He gets tremendous pleasure out of it. And he says that if you're faithful in a few things, God will entrust you with more things and more things in eternity. The Bible teaches us all of these things that the more faithful we are in managing all that he gives to us, the more that he trusts us. And that brings me to the second thing is the other idea of this is not only their immediate benefits, but there's also future benefits that come as well. The Bible teaches, once again, the rewards in eternity are based upon how we manage the things while we're here upon the earth. In a sense, our lives right now are a trial run for the things in which God will allow us to manage once we get to heaven. Our job here on earth is to prove faithful with all that God has given to us that you've committed to all the things that he has given to us to do. And if we prove to be good managers, Jesus will reward us again and again and again. He will bless you like you've never been blessed before, but only if you're managing what he has given to you wisely. So why not be a good manager? Why not be a steward of absolutely everything that God has given to you? Did God give you this environment to live in? Then take care of the earth. Did God give you a physical body? Take care of your health. Did God give you another day to live? Make the most of your time. Has God given you wealth and material possessions? Then manage your money wisely. Has God given you a position of authority? Then use your influence wisely as well. See, stewardship is not a trivial issue. 
Stewardship isn't something that we should just gloss over and say, oh yeah, it's about giving and tithing, all these things. It's so much more than that. It's God saying, being faithful in the things that I have given to you to manage, things I have entrusted to you. You see, God intends for his managers to use the resources that he has given us wisely, not foolishly, but wisely. And we will be rewarded according to how faithful we have been with these resources. Even more than that, we will be rewarded according to how faithful we were to honor him and his work with the resources that he has blessed us with. What I mean by this is we will be rewarded according to how faithful we are to tithe, to give the first 10% of our income to the work of the Lord. God will hold us responsible of how we manage the money that he puts in our lives just as we are held responsible for all the other things that he has given us to manage. Says, I've blessed you with wealth. I've blessed you with a job. I've blessed you with income or a steady stream of money. What are you going to do as a response to that? Are you going to honor me by giving me some of it back? See, God doesn't own just 10% of my income. God owns all of my income, every last bit of it. He asked me to honor him and his work by giving 10%. And guess what? God is so gracious, so amazing, so wonderful that he lets me keep the other 90% of my income when I don't even deserve it in the first place because I would have nothing if it weren't for God. God says, if it wasn't coming from my hands to your house, you would have nothing there. We're nothing without God. And we need to be able to trust him and really allow him to be blessed by the resources in which he gives to us. Reality, God is saying, I want you to tithe so that you will never forget where your true blessings are coming from. That's what tithing is all about. If they're not coming from my hands to your house, you wouldn't have them. Now, some of you might be saying, well, wait a second, Matt. I'm where I am today because of my hard work, because of my creativity, because of my ingenuity. I have the resources. I have the house. I have the cars, the big screen TVs. I have all these things because of the work that I have put into it. And you know what? Maybe that's true. But the question is, who gave you your mind? God could have just filled your head full of cabbage. Who gave you your body to work? Who gave you the position of authority that you're currently in? Who gave you the health to be able to sustain these working hours? Who gave you all of these leadership abilities that you have that allowed you to go and rise up from step to step to step in your company to gain that income? God has given you all of it. God has allowed you to rise up. God has given you every last little bit of it. And he wants to bless you through it, but he still wants to be honored and remembered as a result of it. God says, remember me and honor me for I am the one who gives you the ability to make wealth. There's a story about a church in the South that was growing so fast that it ran out of parking spaces. So right across the street, there was this grocery store that was closed on Sundays. So the church members, they got together and they went and they approached the store ownership and they said, hey, we would like to rent out your parking lot. And at first the store owners were like, oh, that's fantastic. What we're going to do is we're going to lease this parking lot to you for 51 Sundays. But on the 52nd Sunday, we're going to chain it off and not allow you to park there. So the church leadership was baffled and confused. Like, what? what? That's weird. Why just one Sunday out of the month are you, are you closing off to us? And the store owner said, it's so that you always will remember that the parking lot belongs to the store and not to the church. See, this is the same instance as it comes to tithing. God says that he wants to give us all these resources. He wants to give us all this income, but he doesn't want us to forget where the true source of our blessings result from, where they come from. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verses 17 through 18 says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord, your God, for it is he 
who gives you the power to produce wealth. You see, we live in one of the most affluent areas in one of the most affluent countries in the world. And it's so easy for us to believe that it's by our great abilities, by our skills, by all the things that we have done that have allowed us to gain success, to gain our resources, to make this life for ourselves, to raise our families and be able to expand. And we push God away saying, God, you've never been a part of this story of my life. But God's like, I have been there all along. I have been guiding you every step of the way. We must never forget where our blessings truly come from. God even says this in scripture, looking a little bit further, Deuteronomy 14, verse 22. He says, be sure to set aside a 10th of all of your field's produce each year. Why? So we may learn to revere the name of the Lord always, to give him honor for the things that he continually blesses with every single day. Now listen, God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need 10% of my income. God's not poor. God doesn't need help paying the rent off of heaven. We don't need to subsidize God. God doesn't depend on my money to make the church exist from day to day to day. What really matters here is that we need to tithe. God doesn't do it for his own benefit. It's to benefit us. We need to tithe. We need to tithe to unleash God's blessings in our lives, to constantly be reminded of him, the one who always sends us everything that we don't deserve and more all of the blessings that we get in our lives because God has made it all. Not only has he made it all, he owns it all. And not only does he own it all, he sustains it all. Why? Because God has made it all. He has made everything for us to enjoy. And like we said, sometimes it's not used for its intended purposes. Sometimes it's used in crime. Sometimes we withhold things from God that are truly his. Sometimes we don't develop things in which God wants us to develop. Maybe it's being used in bar scenes or with good and bad people, whatever it may be. But God says, nevertheless, I own everything and I want you to manage these things that I've given you wisely. And if you do, you will be blessed as a result of it. We get to manage it all. We get to manage everything of this world to be stewards of all that God has given and see to it that what he has placed upon this earth is being used the way that he wants it to be used. He produced the raw materials. He produced the oil. He produced the minerals, the nuclear power, the electricity, the lumber, all of these things he's given to us. And he says, I've made it and it's good. Now take it and do it for good. Use it for good. Somewhere along the line, we've lost that concept. We say, yeah, God's given and he's given and he's given. I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna be like Golem and go and hide over here in the corner. My precious, right? I'm gonna keep it confined because it's my stuff. But we fail to say, you know what, God, none of this would be here if you hadn't placed it here in the first place. And so I want to faithfully use what you have given to me to benefit your kingdom, to benefit this world. God is going to hold us accountable for what we have done with the resources that he has placed in our lives. All of them. God's saying, I made it all and it's good. Now you go and manage it all and use it for good. So the question this morning is, what are you doing with the resources that God has blessed you with? Are you holding it all in saying, well, it's easy for me to give my time and go to church. It's easy of me to give of some of my resources and help out on the missions field. But when it comes to money, oh, no, I don't wanna to touch that with a 10 foot pole. It's my money. And I need it to go to Burger King for lunch. I need it to go buy the next season of Bachelorette, whatever it may be. We hold on to it because we think that it's ours, but in reality, it's not. And so the question is, are you being a good manager? 
Are you being a good steward with the things that God has entrusted to you? Even more importantly than that, do you recognize and do you realize where the true source of all that you have in your life that's a blessing is coming from? Do you say, God, all of these blessings I have in my life, I don't deserve, but you have given them to me freely again and again and again. And do you honor him as a result of that? What are you doing with what God has blessed you with? If you join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just praise you, Lord. We love you so much, God. And it's so easy for us to become distracted in this world. God, it's so easy for us to set our mind upon the latest technology trends or just all of the cool upcoming toys or whatever it may be, God, that we push you further and further away and say, God, my life is about what I have done and not about what you have done. God, we pray that you direct our eyes. God, that you guide our hearts back to you a heart that cries out to you, God, and say, Lord, I would be nothing without you. God, I would have nothing. My blessings, everything that I own, everything that I am is an attestation to who you are in my life. God, I keep asking for you to unveil yourself to me. God, I keep asking for you to show me something of where you're working in my life, God. Show me your blessings, God. Open my eyes to see truly how each and every day you bless me again and again and again, even though we don't deserve it. God, let us feel your presence. God, let us be good managers of the things in which you have entrusted to us. God, let us let go of the ownership aspect of it. We don't own it, God, it's all yours. And you've given us the awesome opportunity to manage that which you have created. God, I mean, it's an awesome responsibility. It's an awesome opportunity to truly show that we belong to you, that we faithfully believe in you day in and day out. And we will honor you with our time, with our tithe, with our money, with all that we are, God. We want to show you how thankful we are. We love you, God, and we give this to you in your name, amen.